Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a very special guest. Please tell the listeners who you are. My name is Jennifer Garland, and I'm a lifelong Muppet fan and the co-editor of two books about Jim Henson and the Muppets. That's right. And uh, I, I am proud to say that Jen allowed me to appear and to write an essay in one of those books. So You wrote about the Jim Henson Hour. I wrote about the Jim Henson Hour. That, that's right. I wrote a 20-page essay on a show that ran for 12 episodes. That's a so, true fan. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me that opportunity. <laughs> that's the kind of thing academics do with material like this. Right. There you go. And thank you so much for joining us. Today, we are looking at minutes 33 and 34 of the Muppet movie. We start in the middle of, can you picture that? We come in with Floyd's line, what's quick and easy to find. And we end two minutes later with our first glimpse of the great Gonzo's plumbing truck. So we talked a little bit about, can you picture that last week? But Jen, you weren't here. So how do you feel about this song in general? Ever since I first saw the movie, this has actually been one of my favorite numbers. I I love the electric mayhem and uh, can you picture that was just one of those songs that really stuck with me from the first time I watched the film. So it's a favorite, Uh, definitely one of the high points of the Muppet movie for me. Yeah, I think so too, uh, for me too. Um, One thing that I really love, right? One of the first things we see in these two minutes is the electric mayhem all gathered around Kermit and Fozzie asleep while they're singing the song very loudly and Kermit and Fozzie <laughs> don't wake up, which always amuses me so much. Like, yeah, I, I love, love that. The they're, just, they're just yelling the lyrics at them. Right. Well, they're really tired. You know, they've been to Saskatchewan and all these different places. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, well, l- l- like they say right before they go in the church, it feels like they've been driving for days. Exactly. So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, another thing in these, you know, we see the last maybe 45 seconds of the song here. One of my favorite parts in the song, though, is right as Dr. Teeth says the line, don't forget to feed it, we see Animal enthusiastically slapping paint against the car with both hands. <laughs> and I don't know that Dr. Teeth is talking about Animal necessarily, but the, the synchronicity is perfect. I love it. Yeah, well, either way, you don't want to forget to feed Animal. There you go. So, um, and then we transition out of, can you picture that? with uh, like the, the spin effect right out of the 60s Batman TV show, right? I really like that. Yeah, it's, we, we're spinning, and the spinning kind of uh, complements the music, which is kind of just like all the instruments playing kind of chaotically at the same time at the end of the song. Right. But am I the only one who hears the sound effect every time <laughs> I see that? It's Maybe that's I, just I, what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I do think about the 60s Batman TV show a lot. So, and then... Podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do the uh, Batman 66 movie minute by minute. Actually, I would love that. If if, if anyone out there wants to do that with me... Well, I've got the seasons of the show, so... We could we could do all 120 episodes minute okay, by minute. That would take a while. Is there already a show called The Bat Podcast? I feel like you'd have to call it something like that. Yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there are more Batman podcasts than there are episodes of Batman the TV show. Yes. But, uh, you know. Uh, but anyways, here we are watching the Muppet movie. So at the end of the song, what do we have? 
a rainbow-colored Studebaker. Which is a very effective camouflage, as it turns out. Yeah, well, I love that, how the thing where they pull up, I mean, we're, we're skipping ahead here, but you mentioned the camouflage. The thing where they pull up alongside the sign. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. And because, it's funny because, you know, Kermit's not very grateful. Fozzie says, I don't know how to thank you. And Kermit says, I don't know why to thank you. <laughs> but it turns out it works out for them, so. Right. Well, what I love, what I love is that, like, like, it doesn't work out initially because, of course, they pass. Right away, they get spotted, yeah. Right, right away, Doc Hopper says, we're looking for a frog and a bear in a rainbow-colored, uh, tan Studebaker. And Max says, oh, all I, all I see is a frog and a bear in a rainbow-colored Studebaker. <laughs> Which is so great because they're a frog and a bear driving a car. It doesn't matter <laughs> what color the car is. Yep, yep. Well, Fozzie thinks that Kermit is conspicuous. Right. Hey, there's a hundred bears around. There's a hundred bears around. Yeah, I was thinking about this, though, about Kermit's um, Kermit's skepticism about this whole scheme. And uh, the, the band is so enthusiastic about it, and Fozzie is enthusiastic about it. It's obviously a dumb idea. Like, there, <laughs> there's really no good reason to paint the Studebaker in rainbow colors. And it got me thinking about when Muppets Most Wanted came out, and some of the fans were complaining that the Muppets seemed too dumb because uh, <laughs> almost all of them fell for Constantine's scheme to replace Kermit, like except Animal and Walter and was it Fozzie, I guess? Everyone else was fooled. Uh, yeah, Kermit's pretty well, offended. Uh, <laughs> right. So and people were saying the Muppets aren't dumb. They, they, they shouldn't fall for that. But I was thinking, really, the Muppets are as dumb as the comedy requires them to be. If it's funny enough, the Muppets can be that dumb. And this is another right. case of that. Yeah, you're right. So Muppets Most Wanted haters, go back and watch the Muppet movie. Yes. But uh, speaking of speaking of the scene where, so right, right after they finish painting the car. Dr. Teeth gets so much of his best material, I think, in that scene. He calls Kermit green stuff. Fozzie asks him to come along, and he says one of my favorite Dr. Teeth lines, right? You can't, baby, but after you get rich and famous, maybe we'll show up and exploit your wealth. I love that line. It's, it's very Dr. Teeth. It's very Dr. Teeth, and I love that all of the electric mayhem laugh, and Fozzie, Fozzie does nothing. Kermit's response is to just turn to Fozzie and say, moving right along, Fozzie. Like, on that note, we're out of here. The Electric <laughs> Mayhem is so good at laying bare the ills of capitalism while also cashing in on capitalism when it comes <laughs> right. largest to them. Uh, you know, they're really good at that. They always remind me of that old sketch um, that Henson did early on, the um, business business sketch, um, you know, with the the two little Muppets that jump around, they go business, business. And, and, and the other one comes up and it's like hope and creativity and all these things. But then they swap places. Um, right. You know, By the this, end of the sketch. Criticism yeah. of it at the same time, an embrace of it, which is, I think is cool. Yeah. You're no, yeah, yeah. I did not even think about that, but you're right. It's yeah. Henson had been commenting on this for a long time. Right. Uh, yeah. Probably. I mean, he probably started doing that sketch 15 years or close to it. Yeah. Or the movie. Yeah. yeah, and of course Jim himself made a lot of money by being creative. So <laughs> the irony was not lost on him. Right. Right. And I'm sure you guys did you get to talk a little bit about Dr. Teeth in the previous podcast episode? Well, sure. I mean, yeah, we've we've talked about him since they got to the church, but what 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 were you going to say? 
he's just one of my favorite Muppets. And, uh, and, and I really, I've always thought of him as a Cheshire cat. So I love that line in Can You Picture That? where he says, grinning like a Cheshire cat. And then, you know, you have that sort of parallel borne out in the, the Brooke Shields episode of The Muppet Show where he's cast as the Cheshire Cat in the Alice mm. in Wonderland production they do. Yeah, which so. and, and which is after this. That's season five. Yeah, yeah 1980. So, yeah, so I wonder if Paul Williams and Kenny Asher planted that seed in their mind by giving him that line here. Yeah, and, I mean, I know he, you know, he was based on Dr. John and, you know, these real... Um, musicians and stuff like that and yet every time I see him because I'm a huge Alice in Wonderland nerd I always just immediately think Cheshire Cat uh, sure. it's great to see those little shout outs in the Muppet stuff that you know bear out my belief that he is in fact a Cheshire Cat <laughs> I love that so much yeah yeah that's cool so then um, next thing Kermit and Fozzie do drive away I love so much animal as they drive away Everyone's kind of making noise. Everyone's shouting, yay, celebrating. Animal yells, bye-bye, bye-bye, <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> and he just, he, I think he says Hollywood six or seven times. He does He's, say it a lot. I, I actually hey. went back and tried to see if he was saying anything else, but no, it's just Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He's, so, he's so excited for them to go to the auditions at Worldwide Studios. He and Sweetums have similar monomanias, you know. <laughs> they, they get locked into a, a loop. That's true, yeah. I think it's interesting, though, that they they just come right out and say, no, we're not going with you to Hollywood. And then, you know, this is spoilers for a later <laughs> minute in the movie, but they end up just going with them to Hollywood. So I guess they changed their mind. Well, they did read the screenplay. They right, so, so that, yeah, they knew yeah. that it would benefit them. Yeah, at this point, they hadn't read it that far yet. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe it helps they have the screenplay to know to paint the car rainbow color. You know what? Maybe they'd seen the billboard. It's not as dumb as you think. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm on board um, with that. Yeah. So, um, speaking of that billboard, I know that's skipping a little bit ahead, but how beautiful is that billboard? Oh, it's so psychedelic. It's just like, great. I was looking at it today, and I'd never really thought about it. You know, it's a, the words on it say, blast off, super light, pop off. And then it's a pop bottle or a soda bottle that looks like a rocket ship blasting off into space. And the lid is popping off the top of the bottle like it's being launched further into space. Like it's a capsule that's, that's yeah, separating from the rocket. Yeah, like even like outside of the context of the Muppet movie, I want that in my home. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely be subtle, obscure Muppet fan art in your house. People would go, oh, that's an interesting billboard art design and you go well it's secretly muppet themed yeah that, right. that's a subtle exactly. one i wonder if anyone on etsy has ever sold prints like recreations of this oh man that'd be great if they did i hope that they i hope that they give credit to production designer joel schiller yeah me too and uh, so what flavor soda or what do you think pop-off tastes like because i i kind of think of it as being maybe a citrusy like maybe a mountain dew kind of thing yeah that's reasonable something about the I colors think- maybe yeah, there's something about it that suggests, I guess it's because of like the Dr. Pepper 23 flavors thing that I imagine it being kind of like a fruity cola like that. Mm. I, I don't know. And any thoughts, any thoughts on what Pop-Off tastes like? I, you're making me think about the cool spot at Epcot, you know, where you have all the different weird flavored sodas. I'm like, well, which one of that? It would be one of those weird flavored sodas. It'd be like the one that they have in 
you know, South Africa or something like that, something out of this world, right? Wouldn't just be sure. Yeah, they should uh, make they should sell bottles of pop off for the movie's 40th anniversary. <laughs> oh, I would I would buy them. I yeah, would drink them. at least five of us would buy them. That's right. That's right. It sounds like it should taste like a liquid version of an Astro Pop. Yeah, that's Ooh, a good yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yours is better. <laughs> we should get on that. We should manufacture. Get mm. to work. Mm-hmm. So then, like like we talked about, um, Doc Hopper and Max see them and notice them right away. <laughs> One of the things that I love, another thing that I love here is Doc Hopper, as we cut back to them in the car, Doc Hopper says, remember, this frog does everything. He talks, <laughs> he sings, he dances, he tells jokes. He, he even rides a bicycle. Well, Doc Hopper says that to Max, but Doc Hopper didn't see Kermit ride a bike. Oh, yeah. Max did. So he's telling some, he's telling Max something that Max definitely told him. <laughs> that sounds just like Doc Hopper. It totally does. Like it's great. It's perfect. He's exactly that kind of guy. Yeah. I, I love Charles Darning in this film. I, I know you guys have already talked about him in some of the earlier minutes, but uh, he's just so good as Doc Hopper. He's so sleazy, and he's just this great Southern good old boy, fat cat, corrupt guy, and uh, he just. He does such a good job with the role, and it's so funny to you know look forward and see him later in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Basically playing the same character. Yeah. Um, so I, I always enjoy his performance in this film because he was a he was a you know guy with a really long career. Right. So, oh yeah, decades. I mean. And uh, I don't know if you guys brought this up earlier, but you know he and Austin Pendleton had already been in a movie together. Um, in 1974, they were in a version of the front page together. Yeah, the Billy oh. Wilder version. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. I don't remember if it, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if we mentioned it, but it's a good movie. I've seen it. Do they One have, of many adaptations of the front page. So. Right. Do they have scenes together? I don't know. I haven't actually seen that version. So. Oh. I don't remember. I saw it once five years. I think they do, but not much. Yeah. The version Austin, everybody sees is His Girl Friday. Right, which is which is a better movie. I mean, I think even Billy Wilder would have admitted his Girl Friday is a better movie than the seventies front page. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think um, it's cool that they already they had an acting history. You know, they surely they knew each other because they'd been in these films together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Pendleton just he's just in everything. I was looking at his IMDb credits and I was amazed at how much stuff he was in. Oh yeah, and he's still working. I mean, yeah, yeah, he um, was in Finding Nemo. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he's also very briefly in Finding Dory because yeah, yeah. Very, he's very brief one line at the end, yeah. Yeah, and he's actually done done that fish and several other spinoff Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, you know, the video games and all kinds. I of suppose things. so. Yeah, it's good to get work. Yeah, it's nice work if you can get it. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's nice to have a Disney gig like that. Oh yeah, definitely. Once you get hooked into a character, you can just keep playing. Right. Well, then the other thing I was going to say is once they once Max sees the sees the rainbow-colored Studebaker, Doc Hopper yells, what? And Kermit and Fozzie also say, what? <laughs> yeah. Like they're responding to him, which I love. <laughs> like the logic of a Muppet movie. I like Max's green hat that he's wearing you know, throughout all this stuff that kind of symbolically shows he's really more on Kermit's side. Um, you know, it's supposed to be a Doc Hopper yeah, hat. And yet every time you see the hat, you think about Kermit. Oh, that's interesting. We've had a couple people comment on the hat, but I think that's the first... Uh, interpretation of it being the same color as Kermit. Yeah, that's really interesting. 
It's even kind of shaped like Kermit's head. If you, if you see it from the side, you know, he's kind of got that broad bill. And every time I look at it, I yeah. think he's really on Team Kermit. Yeah, it, you're right. The hat does kind of look like it has knuckles in it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say about the what what moment is, again, this is probably just me wanting my two favorite TV shows, my two favorite franchises to collide. But um, on Doctor Who, when David Tennant played the Doctor, <laughs> He used to say, what, 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 several times. And it re- always reminds me of that. But also, that specific character, David Tennant as the Doctor, says in an episode that he loves the Muppet movie. Oh, yeah. Says Tooth and Claw from season two. So maybe he got his what, what, what from the Muppet movie. I don't think it's a stretch at all to assume that. I think that's perfectly reasonable. There you go. All right. So, any other thoughts about Doc Hopper and Max, Kermit and Fozzie's Rainbow Colored Studebaker? I have, I have two things. Um, so, the last time we saw Doc Hopper and Max was when they painted the new billboard, right? I think I believe so. Yeah, and that that was just before the the scene at the church with the electric mayhem. So, at that point, uh, Kermit and Fozzie just drove away from the billboard, and Doc Hopper and Max. I guess we don't really know where they went. But it's obviously been at least a few hours since then because uh, Kermit and Fozzie parked at the church. They fell asleep. They woke up. They went in. They met the band. They were asleep for however long it took the band. Oh, also, they were there for as long as it took Dr. Teeth to read the screenplay and then for however long it took to paint the car. So where have Doc Hopper and Max been this whole time? And how is it that they're, they just happen to be in the same place at the same time on the highway? Well, that's common well, think- logic. You know. Yeah, right, exactly. Just been driving around in circles looking for a bear and a frog and a tan studebaker. I guess so, yeah. They must have just, they're, they're just searching. Yeah, and now they finally saw, and I also love the idea that Doc Hopper has been saying this the whole time. This dog <laughs> yeah. talks, he sings, he dances, he tells jokes. Just like reminding Max every five minutes what they're looking for. Yeah, um, and then another thing I wanted to mention. So we know that they used more than one Studebaker in the total production of the film, but it occurred to me to to kind of click back and forth between the shot where we first see the painted Studebaker and then the shot of the Studebaker parked in front of the billboard. And I'm not sure they're the exact same one, or at least they may have repainted it to make it match the billboard better. Hmm. I should send you. I actually, if I thought about thought of it, I would have taken screenshots and sent them to you in advance. But I'll post them on the on the website when we publish this episode. But yeah, there there are a few subtle differences that make me think they may have touched up the paint job to make it match the billboard a little better. Well, and also everything we see the electric mayhem painting looks nothing like the finished car. They're just like splattering paint all over. When we actually see them painting, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, finished product yeah. is closer. Right. The finished product does not resemble animals smacking it with two hands. <laughs> no. At all. No. <laughs> uh, and then another thing is I had, I guess, sort of assumed that the shot of the the Studebaker pulling up in front of the billboard was done by having it like back up and then playing the film in reverse. But the way... The, that it kind of stirs up dust behind it, and then the way it kind of jerks to a stop, I think they must have really done that, having the 
the stunt driver just drive right up to that billboard and then slam on the brakes at just the right place. It's pretty impressive. Drive, drive right up to a mark of some kind, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, which also makes me wonder how many times it, it took to get it right, but it's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. It'll be pretty easy to put some kind of little, you know, like a chalk kind of thing where the tire should stop. And as soon as the stunt driver felt the tire hit that, he knows it's, you know, he's gone. Forward. Yeah. It's not going very fast. Yeah, that may have been it. Yeah, because we can't see it because there's a big ridge of dirt in front of the wheels. Right. When they pull up. So there could be all kinds of stuff on the ground. There could be a big bar that they pull up to or something. A car version of a mark. So. Right, exactly. So um, anything else? Drive into the billboard by accident. No, that would not be good. So, moving on then to the last twelve seconds or so of this minute, of oh. these minutes, we get our first look at Gonzo's plumbing truck. We kind of see Gonzo and Camilla, but just barely. Tantalize me with this sequence. Is the two minutes are the end of one of my favorite songs, and then you almost let us get to Gonzo. Almost. <laughs> We hear him, we see kind of the back of his head, and then it's the end of the bit. And I'm like, oh, no, now I have to watch the whole movie again. That's always a good idea. So, in a sense, we did help you because we inspired you to watch the whole Muppet movie again. <laughs> I have um, seen the movie quite a few times. At this point. You can also talk about Gonzo as much as you want to here if you have anything to say. Yay! Well, I, I have written whole essays about Gonzo, so he, he's on my mind a lot. Um, but yeah, we do get this wonderful, you know, beginning of an intro to, to Gonzo, which tells us a lot about, you know, his character within the context of, of this movie, uh, a little more specifically than, you know, he isn't on the Muppet show where we have the whole thing with him being a plumber, uh, which is a new wrinkle, but ties in just even in that intro with his, um, you know, performance artist, daredevil persona that we're familiar with. He's a plumbing artiste. He's a plumbing artiste, and he's the prince of plumbers. He has two titles on the side of his truck. I guess they did that because it would have been harder to incorporate like a daredevil uh, performance artist into this, uh, like the structure of the movie. Because everyone else, you meet them, and they're more or less who they are on The Muppet Show. Fozzie is a comedian. Miss Piggy is, you know, doing something glamorous and the the Electric Mayhem is playing rock music. But Gonzo, who does all these crazy artistic stunts on The Muppet Show, is introduced as a plumber. So that's, yeah, that's kind of unusual. It's the most practical job he's ever had. Yeah, I guess it didn't last too long. Well, no, because, you know, in The Muppet, the Muppets, they come back to the whole thing of him as a plumber. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he, he owns a he's plumber. He's running a whole plumbing industry with toilets and all this stuff. And Camilla's um, the one who tells him he can basically blow up the place and rejoin the Muppets. Yeah, which, by the way, I love that joke so much. Like, we'll get we'll get there in six years, but <laughs> that's one of my favorite jokes in that movie. Looking ahead. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, I like the continuity. You know, it's one of the things I really liked about the, the reboot movie was the, the deep affection and awareness it had of what had come before, right up to, you know, Gonzo's plumbing career. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just like his fallback career. It's it's what when he really needed uh, a you know a job that would make him some money, he became a plumber. Sure, yeah, it's good work if you can get it. I guess it's dangerous and disgusting, so it's exactly the kind of thing he would get into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, also, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about Gonzo, uh, the side of his truck, 
that's another thing I would love to have hanging on my wall. Right? I love the statue on top of the truck, the little Gonzo figure that oh, man. How... with the plunger. And, oh, it's just yeah. cool. It reminds me oh. of the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. A, a role that Gonzo later played in Muppets Go to the Movies and nowhere else because that's the only time the Muppets <laughs> ever did The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, we can leave it at that. Don't the Muppet Babies do a Wizard of Oz? Oh yeah, the Muppet Babies did do a Wizard. I was also I was talking about the Muppets Wizard of Oz TV movie from two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I remember that one. I, I yeah, I own it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> my condolences. Did it on Muppet Babies? So. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I think it's in the opening credits for a while. Yeah, yeah, because there's a scene of them skipping down the yellow brick road, and I think Gonzo might be the. Scarecrow in that one? I can't remember what he's playing in that one. It's been a long time since I've seen any Muppet Babies. Sure. Yeah, me too. But we should, we've, we've been pointing out the main puppeteers as they show up. And we should point out here that Gonzo is um, in the movie proper now. A real introduction to Dave Goals. We heard him as Zoot a little bit, but Zoot doesn't get much. Um, Gonzo is Dave Goals' main character, but... He started out as a, as a puppet builder for the Muppets in the early 70s before transitioning to performing. He plays Bunsen, Zoot, Beauregard. Uh, he would go on to play Boober Fraggle and Traveling Matt on Fraggle Rock. A lot of other Muppets. One of, the, one, one of the legends of the Muppets. So this is our acknowledgement of the great Dave Goals. And still Finally. doing his original character. He's still doing Gonzo. So. Yeah. That's the thing. One is of if, the things I really love. Right, yeah. Of the performers in this movie... He's the only one. That's a long time playing the same character. It's yeah. a, that's a lot of shoulder surgery. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, to, to stay at it that long, you know, when he's outlived, you know, so many of the original Muppeteers and still performing, that's, that's a, a, an amazing physical endurance as a puppeteer. Yeah. So, Dave Goals, you're great. We love you. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I love the, you know, the look that Gonzo has. Um, you know, they, they fiddled with the character between seasons one and two of the Muppet show. And he just, I don't know. I, I think Gonzo gets more expressive every year that that puppet just keeps getting better every time I see him for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Season one Gonzo was pretty horrifying, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I think as far as everything after, you know, from the second season of the Muppet show on has, has been uh, pretty solid Gonzo. His eyes are just amazing. The, the, yeah. the expressiveness that he's capable of. Yeah, oh, and again, that comes from Dave Goals' background as a puppet builder. He decided yeah. that he wanted those eye mechanisms to make Gonzo more expressive after the first season because he felt Gonzo looked depressed. So Dave Goals not only performing the character, but like contributing to his look, contributing to things that bring the puppet alive. Well, that's one of the things I really like about Gonzo. He resonates with me as a character because he's sweet and weird and kind of sad all at the same time. Uh, and we get that in the Muppet movie, uh, you know, over the course of his appearance in the film. I think we get to see all of those facets of his character. Right. And I really am so sorry that we only gave you the first 12 <laughs> seconds. You're just tantalizing me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll have you back on for Great Muppet Keeper. You can talk more about Gonzo then. Well, you get the Muppets from space. We could talk about Gonzo a lot. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And on that note, we should wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, it was again, a pleasure. Before we go, would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Sure. Uh, I have a 
blog. Uh, I mostly talk about classic movies, uh, but I also talk about the Muppets and literature and popular culture and things of that ilk. Uh, it's called Virtual Virago. Uh, and I'm on Twitter under my own name, Jennifer Garland. So I'm very easy to find. Uh, and you can find the Kermit Culture and the Wider Worlds of Jim Henson uh, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble uh, and on the McFarland website, who is the publisher for both of those books. Wonderful. And you can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan at me, Ryan Rowe. And you can check out toughpigs.com on the internet. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter with pages for, uh, for Tough Pigs. You can find us all over the place. And if you're so inclined, please give us a positive review on iTunes and tell all your friends to listen to the show. Finally, join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to feed it. Actually, I should have said bye-bye, bye-bye, Hollywood, Hollywood. You should have, yeah. Do you want to go back and do it again? <laughs>